Synopsis of Lesson 20. Psychic and Magnetic Healing. The psychic principles underlying the many forms of psychic or mental healing. Many theories, one set of principles. Psychic healing as old as the race. The basic principles of psychic healing. The physiological principles involved. How the astral body is used in psychic healing. Human magnetism, and what it really is. All about prana, the laying on of hands in healing, and what is back of it. What happens in magnetic healing? The secret of absent healing. Space no barrier in psychic healing. The human aura and psychic healing. The secret of suggestive therapeutics. The effect of the affirmations of the healers. How the healing cults obtain good results. Self-healing by psychic power. Absent healing by psychic power. How to treat others by absent treatment. Valuable instructions and practical methods of psychic healing. The whole subject condensed and made plain so that it may be applied by any person of average intelligence. No fanciful theories only plain, practical facts for actual application. Lesson 20. Psychic and Magnetic Healing. Probably no phase of psychic influence is more familiar to the average person of the Western world than that of the healing of physical ills and conditions by means of psychic influence under one name or another. Great healing cults and organizations have been built up upon this basis, and the interest in the subject has taken on the form of a great popular movement. As is natural in cases of this kind, there have been hundreds of theories advanced to account for the phenomena of psychic healing, and a still greater number of methods of treatments devised to carry out the principles of the theories. Ranging from the teaching of actual divine interposition and influence arising from certain forms of belief and practice, covering many intermediate stages, the theories even include a semi-materialistic hypothesis in which mind is considered as an attribute of matter, but having a magic influence over the forms of matter when properly applied. But it is worthy of note that no matter what the general or particular theory, or what the favored method of application, these healing schools or cults, as well as the independent practitioners, meet with a very fair degree of success and perform quite a number of cures. Many of these Western advocates and practitioners of psychic healing practically hold that the whole system is a very recent discovery, and that it has nothing whatsoever to do with ordinary occult science. The occultists however are able to smile at these ideas and beliefs, for they not only recognize the general principles involved, but they also are aware that these principles, and their application, have been known to advanced occultists for thousands of years. I do not say this in any disparagement of the modern schools of psychic healing, for I am in full sympathy with their great work. I merely mention the matter that the student may get the right historical perspective in considering this phase of psychic phenomena and influence.
So far as the methods of application are concerned, the true occultist recognizes that most of the methods and forms of treatment are but outward cloaks or disguises for the real psychic healing principle. The gist of the real methods is to be found in the principles of the application of psychic influence which I have presented to you in these lessons, viz. 1. Strong desire to make the cure. 2. Clear mental image or picture of the desired condition as actually present in the patient at this time. And 3. Concentration of the attention and mind of the healer so as to bring to a focus to two preceding mental states. Here you have the real secret of psychic healing methods, the rest are all elaborations thereof, dressed up forms and ceremonies which affect the imagination, faith, belief and confidence of the patient, and thus make the healing process much easier. In fact, with the proper degree of faith and confidence on the part of the patient, there is but little need of a healer, for the patient may treat and cure himself. However, in most cases, the presence of the healer aids materially in arousing the fate and confidence of the patient, and hastens the cure. Again, so far as the theories underlying the cures are concerned, occultists are able to reduce them all to a single working theory or principle, which includes all the rest. Brushing aside all technical details, and all attempts to trace back the healing process to the ultimate facts of the universe, I may say that the gist of the principle of all psychic healing is that of influencing the astral foundation of the various organs and parts, cells and centers, so as to make it proceed to manifest a more perfect physical counterpart. All psychic healing is really accomplished on the astral body first, then the physical body responds to the renewed activities of its astral counterpart. To get the real significance of this statement it is necessary for you to realize just what the astral body really is. This once grasped, the difficulties vanish, and you are able to form a clear conception of the entire matter and process. The astral body is a precise counterpart of the physical body, its organs, its parts, its centers, and its cells. In fact, the astral body is the pattern upon which the physical body is materialized. The astral body is composed of an etheric substance of a very high rate of vibration. In one sense it may be considered as a very subtle form of matter, in another as a semi-materialized form of force or energy. It is finer and more subtle than the rarest vapors or gases known to science. And, yet, it has a strong degree of tenacity and cohesiveness that enables it to resist attacks from the material side of nature. As I have said, each organ, part, center or cell, of the physical body has its astral pattern or basis. In fact, the physical body has been built up, in whole and in all of its parts, on the pattern and base of the astral body. Moreover, in case of impaired functioning of the physical organs or parts, 
and impaired activity of the physical body, its limbs, etc. If we can manage to arouse the activities of the astral body we may cause it to re-materialize or re-energize the physical body, and thus restore health and activity to it. If the liver, for instance, is not functioning properly, we proceed to start up the activities of the astral counterpart of that organ, to the end that the physical organ may be re-energized, and recreated in a measure. All true psychic healing work is performed on the astral plane, before it manifests on the physical. At this point, I should also call your attention to the effect of prana, or life energy, in some cases of healing. This prana is what Western healers mean when they speak of human magnetism in their healing work. So far from being an imaginary force, as claimed by the physical scientists and materialists, it is known to all occultists as an active principle of the human body, and is of great efficacy in the psychic treatment of disease. I shall mention the details of this form of treatment as we proceed, I mention it at this place merely to call your attention to the fact of its existence. Before passing on to the consideration of other phases of the subject before us, I would like to call your attention to the fact that from the earliest days of history there have been recorded instances of some form of psychic healing. In the earlier days the psychic healing work was left entirely in the hands of the priesthood of the various religions prevailing in the several counties of the world. Claiming to have an exclusive divine sanction to perform healing work, these priests used various ceremonies, rites, incantations, etc., in order to obtain their results. In many cases these priests were ignorant of the real psychic forces invoked and set into operation, they merely practiced methods which had been found to work out effectively, and which had been handed down to them by their predecessors. In other cases, however, the priests undoubtedly were skilled occultists, and had a very full knowledge of the forces they were using, though, as the masses of the people were very ignorant it was impossible to acquaint them with these things so far above their understanding, and, consequently, the priests applied the healing forces under the disguise of their religious ceremonies and rites. From time to time, however, as civilization progressed, there came into prominence persons who worked cures of physical ills by means of magical ceremonies and other similar methods, but who were outside of the priesthood. Some of these men undoubtedly had a very fair knowledge of the real secret of their cures, though they disguised them to suit the mental condition of their patients, and, also, probably for purposes of self-glorification. In other cases, however, it is probable that these healers had merely stumbled across the fact that certain things said in a certain way tended to work cures, or that certain physical objects seemed to have therapeutic virtue. They did not realize that the whole healing virtue of their systems depended upon the strong idea in their own minds, coupled with the strong faith and confidence in the mind of the patient. 
and so it the work went on. In some of the oldest records of the human race, the scriptures of the various peoples, we find that laying on of hands was the favorite method employed by the holy men and priests, and other performing healing work. From the first there seems to have been an almost instinctive recognition on the part of man of the fact that there is a healing power in the touch of the hand. Even ignorant and savage mothers instinctively apply their hands to the hurt bodies of their children, a custom that has its counterpart in civilized races, by the way. The child is taught to expect physical relief from the application of the mother's hands and its mind at once pictures relief. Not only is the mental picture created, but the desire and confidence is established in the minds of both persons. The same thing is true of all laying on of hands, and thus are the principles of all psychic influence brought into play. But this is not all there is to it. In the first place, there is an actual transference of prana from the body of the healer to that of the patient, which serves to energize and revitalize the cells and centers of the body of the latter. In the second place, there is the effect upon the astral body of the patient, which tends to materialize better physical conditions. In the third place, there is that combination and union of the minds of the two persons, which gives extra force and power to psychic influence. Is it any wonder that cures take place under these circumstances? In the modern revival of the almost lost art and science of psychic healing among the general public, there has been unusual stress laid upon the feature of absent healing, in which the patient and the healer are not in each other's presence. To many this has seemed actually miraculous, and as a positive proof of divine interposition. But a little thought will show the student that such cures are not unknown in the pages of history, as a casual examination of the sacred books of almost any religion will show. Moreover, the student will see that to the effect of certain principles of psychic influence there needs but to be added the principles of telepathic communication, or, Better still, the principles of astral communication by some phases of clairvoyance, to account for the entire phenomena of absent healing. Space is no barrier on the astral plane, as you have seen in the preceding chapters of this book. Once the on rapport condition is established between healer and patient, and the rest is simple, the astral body is induced to energize more actively, and as a result the physical manifestation is improved and normal functioning restored. Of course, all this is wonderful enough, all psychic phenomena is, for that matter, but, we see that we do not have to go outside of established occult laws, principles and facts in order to account for some of these modern miracles which have puzzled and perplexed so many good persons who have not known of the occult teachings, and who fear that the world is being turned upside down, and nature's laws overturned by these newfangled ideas and methods.
Perhaps the most simple method of healing by psychic influence is that which is at the same time the oldest method, i.e., the laying on of hands. This method was revived about 20 years ago in America and Europe by the new school of magnetic healing, which sprung rapidly into public favor. The other schools of psychic healing, generally known as mental healing, spiritual healing, divine healing, etc., generally frown upon the use of the hands in psychic healing, deeming it too material and too much allied to hypnotism, etc. But this view is quite bigoted and narrow, for this method has no relation to hypnotism, and, moreover, it gives the patient the benefit of the flow of prana from the healer, while at the same time producing the psychic effect on the astral body, as I have just mentioned. I take the liberty of quoting here something on this subject from my little book entitled, The Human Aura. In the chapter of that book devoted to the consideration of the subject of, auric magnetism, I said, in cases of magnetic healing, etc., the healer by an effort of his will, sometimes unconsciously applied, projects a supply of his pranic aura vibrations into the body of his patient, by way of the nervous system of the patient, and also by means of what may be called the induction of the aura itself. The mere presence of a person strongly charged with prana, is often enough to cause an overflow into the aura of other persons, with a resulting feeling of new strength and energy. By the use of the hands of the healer, a heightened effect is produced, by reason of certain properties inherent in the nervous system of both healer and patient. There is even a flow of etheric substance from the aura of the healer to that of the patient, in cases in which the vitality of the latter is very low. Many a healer has actually, and literally, pumped his life force and etheric substance into the body of his patient, when the latter was sinking into the weakness which precedes death, and has by so doing been able to bring him back to strength and life. This is practically akin to the transfusion of blood, except that it is upon the psychic plane instead of the physical. But the true, magnetic healer, call him by whatever name you wish, does not make this pranich treatment the all in all of his psychic treatment. On the contrary it is but the less subtle part, which leads up to the higher phases. While treating his patients by the laying on of hands, he, at the same time, strives to induce in the mind of the patient the mental image of restored health and physical strength. He pictures the diseased organ as restored to health and normal functioning. He sees the entire physiological machinery operating properly, the work of nutrition, assimilation, and excretion going on naturally and normally. By proper words of advice L and encouragement he awakens hope and confidence in the mind of the patient, and thus obtains the cooperation of that mind in connection to his own mental efforts. The astral body responds to this treatment, and begins to energize the physical organs and cells into normal activity, 
and the journey toward health is begun. In the little book just mentioned, The Human Aura, I gave some valuable information regarding the influence of colors in psychic healing, which I do not reproduce here as it is outside the scope and field of the present. Lessons. Those who may feel interested in the subject are respectfully referred to the little manual itself. It is sold for a nominal price by the publishers of the present work. In the form of psychic treatment which comes under the head of suggestive therapeutics, great insistence is laid upon the verbal suggestion to the patient, on the part of the healer. The patient is told that he will get well, that his organs will function normally, etc., etc. But the student of the present lessons will readily see that the only virtue in the spoken words consists in their power to evoke and induce the mental image of the desired condition in the mind of the patient. The mental picture thus evoked produces a corresponding effect in the astral body of the patient, and sets into operation the materialization of desired results. In addition, the words produce a strong mental picture in the mind of the healer himself, and thus give form and strength to his psychic vibrations which are being poured out toward the patient. This is really the secret of suggestive treatment. The many cults of metaphysical healing, in America and Europe, lay great stress upon what they call affirmations, which are but statements of the patient of his or her faith in the healing power of God, or of mind, or spirit, or principle, different names are used. The patient naturally has confidence aroused, and as naturally begins to picture the desired condition, this in turn reacting upon the astral body, and this upon the physical body or organ. In addition, the healer's mind is also set to work in the same way, and sets into motion the healing psychic forces in the way just mentioned. You will notice that the same principle is always involved and set into operation and manifestation. There is no particular virtue in the form of affirmation used by the healer or patient, except the important virtue of being able to arouse strong mental pictures of restored health, proper functioning, etc. There is of course this also, certain forms of affirmations or mental statements are better suited than others to the particular wants of certain persons. For instance, a very religious person will be aroused better by affirmations and statements filled with religious sentiments and ideas, while a person of a purely scientific turn of mind will receive more benefit from affirmations in which the precise physiological functions are specifically mentioned, while the person who is fond of mystery and strange ceremonies will be better served in the affirmations or statements taken in the form of some magical incantation, etc. The difference, however, lies in the mind of the patient, rather than in the words themselves. Words are merely invokers of ideas, symbols of ideas. In themselves, words are nothing, ideas are everything. If you wish to treat yourself psychically for some physical disorder, 
or if you wish to do good to others in the same way. You have but to put into operation the general principles of psychic influence herein described. That is to say, you must first be filled with the strong desire and wish to make the cure. Then you must make a strong mental image of the desired result, as actually present. Do not think of it as going to be. Instead say and think that it is now. Then concentrate the attention firmly and positively upon the idea. You may aid yourself and others by affirmations or auto-suggestions. Words creating desired ideas and mental pictures. If you wish, you may get better results in this way. In this connection, let me remind you that the healing work in many cases consists largely in placing proper mental pictures in the mind of the patient, thereby displacing improper and harmful mental pictures of disease, etc., which have been given lodgment there before. Many persons are sick because of improper and harmful mental pictures that they have allowed to be placed there by the suggestions of others. Fear and dread of disease often acts to bring about the feared condition, for reasons that you can readily see. And, now, finally for the work of absent healing by psychic influence. I can state this to you very simply. It is this. Take what I have just told you regarding personal treatments, and combine it with what I have told you in previous lessons about long-distance psychic influence, then you will have the whole thing. Here is a sample of an effective distant treatment, or absent treatment, to use the popular term, it may be varied and enlarged up to fit individual cases. Sit quietly in your own room, inducing a calm, peaceful mental attitude and state. Then, in the way already told you in this book, make a mental picture of the patient as sitting opposite to you, or lying down in front of you. If you have never seen the patient, make simply a mental image of a man, or a woman, as the case may be, and think of the figure as being the patient. The best practitioners of distant psychic healing produce such a strong mental image of the patient that they can often actually feel his or her presence. This of course is the result of a simple form of clairvoyance. Then make a strong mental picture of the condition that you wish to induce in the patient, the healthy physical condition of the organ, or part or body, as the case may be. See this condition as existing at the present time, and not as merely to come in the future. At the same time, you will do well to mentally speak to the patient, just as you would in case he or she were sitting before you in the physical body. Tell the patient just what you would in such case. Pour in the suggestions, or affirmations, or whatever you may wish to call them. In some cases in which an excellent on-rapport condition is established, patients become aware of the treatment, and sometimes can almost see and feel the presence of the healer. A prominent mental scientist, of America, instructs his pupils to consider each of the organs of the patient, or of themselves, 
as having a separate intelligence, and, therefore, to speak up to it, as if it really understood what was being said to its organ mind. I would say that such form of treatment would be calculated to bring about very good results, indeed. The principle of concentration and mental picturing would be invoked very strongly in such a case, and the astral counterpart of the organ should respond to such treatment quickly and effectively. It is an occult fact that there is mind in every organ and cell of the body, and if the same is awakened in the astral counterpart, it will respond to the command, suggestion, or direction. The writer in question evidently is well acquainted with this occult law, judging from his other writings, and has simply veiled his knowledge with this easily understood method of treatment which undoubtedly will do the work, to use the American term. Finally, no matter what may be the theory, or method, given in connection with psychic healing of any or all kinds, you will find the same general principles underlying it that have been presented over and over again in this book. In fact, many purely material and physical remedies owe their success to the fact that they appeal to the imagination of the patient, and also inspire confidence in him. Anything that will inspire confidence, faith and hope in the mind of a patient, and will bring to his mind strong mental pictures of restored health and normal functioning of his organs, that thing will make for health for him. So, there you have the whole theory and practice in a sentence. I would remind the student that these are not lessons to be read but once and then laid aside. In order to get from them all that they contain for you, you will find it necessary to read them several times, with a reasonable interval between readings for the knowledge to sink into your mind. I feel sure that you will find with each reading that there are many points that you overlooked before. The lessons cover a wide field, with many little excursions into by-paths and lanes of thought. I trust that reading and studying will make you not only a wiser person, but also a stronger and more efficient one. I thank you for your kind attention, and trust that we shall meet again in the future.